0: This is Chris Reynolds and welcome to the Entrepreneur House podcast. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs creating events and retreats all over the world. If you're ready to take your business to the next level with other successful entrepreneurs, be sure to apply at theentrepreneurhouse.com. And now, on to today's episode. On the show today, we are welcoming Vincenzo Villamena to the show. Vincenzo is the founder of OnlineTaxman.com, a company that handles taxes, trust, estates, and investing for U.S. expats, entrepreneurs, retirees, and digital nomads. Vincenzo tells us his story of how he left a high-paying corporate accounting job in New York and headed to Argentina to start a new life and embrace some culture and adventure. He started as an accountant online and after a few years built up Online OnlineTaxman into what it is today today. During the show, Vincenzo shares with us about his experience investing in Medellin, Colombia. He talks about investing opportunities in Brazil, Colombia, and the places he would spend an extra $100,000. We then talk about some of the lesser known investment vehicles, foreign trust, and asset protection for location-independent entrepreneurs. And with that, let's welcome Vincenzo to the show. Welcome, Vincenzo, to the podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. And you're calling in from Medellin, Colombia today, right? I am. So there's a buzz around Medellin these days, and I'm just curious on why you love Medellin and why you spend so much time down there.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's a definite buzz. Um, you know, I've been here kind of on and off for the last four years and just kind of seeing the tra- the city transform, as far as like not just kind of digital nomads and people coming but even just in general with the with the cleanliness with the restaurants and like it's really kind of this sort of renaissance that's happening here and and obviously with that goes just the beautiful weather and 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 the nature and like the sporty kind of outdoors stuff that that there is here and it's a good uh it's a good hop it off point you know it's close to state if you need to go and and the people are just just spectacular i mean like super helpful like it's just it's almost just like a pleasure to, to, to live here. Do you know what I mean? Cause everyone's just so friendly and so nice. So yeah, that's why it's kind of a, a, a secret that's been discovered, you so know, and that's, that's where the buzz is.
0: So it's no longer the Medellin that you see in Narcos, right?
1: No, it's no longer the Medellin in Narcos. I mean, it's not even the Medellin I knew four years ago, honestly.
0: Really? Like,
1: like that. I mean, it's really, it's transformed just like that, which is kind of, which is kind of crazy. It, it's cool to see, Um, especially like, you know, I used to live in Argentina. I spent a lot of time in Brazil, which, you know, right. So to see kind of those countries, which have kind of gone like, you know, been falling apart over the last few years and then to kind of juxtapose that with what Medellin is, which is kind of on the up. It's kind of cool to see that side of it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Well, we're going to jump into the show
0: and we're going to learn a little bit more about you and your business. You run OnlineTaxman.com, helping expats and digital nomads and entrepreneurs around the world with their taxes and IRAs and assets and trust and real estate and all of the above. So let's get into your story quick, Vincenzo, on kind of where you come from and then how you came to be the international tax man that you are today.
1: Yeah. um, You know what? It was, I was working in New York. I'm from New York originally and um, I used to work at, at Price Waterhouse, doing doing tax, and then I worked in a in a finance firm of private equity. And you know what? One day I was just kind of I was done with New York, and I was just over it. And I just said, you know what? Let me move down to Argentina. And I'd I'd been to Argentina before. I always wanted to learn Spanish. Um, you know, like I have an Italian background, so Argentina is really kind of the 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 Italy of LATAM, And it just it just felt right. So I went down to Argentina. And I thought it was gonna be like three months and I spent more than three years there. Wow. I was just and that was it. And that's where again I had the tax preparation experience. I've been doing that and that's where I got into, you know, focusing on the expats and, and really doing more than just the tax preparation, but all this sort of offshore structuring, you know, helping people with 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 investments, advising people on that, doing the self-directed IRA, uh, the trust and and kind of just the whole Sort of, yeah, tax structuring, tax advisory, and, and, and financial planning. And that's, that's really what, uh, what we've become today. You know, and this was uh, seven years ago.
0: So did you start the business after you had moved to Argentina?
1: I did. I did. I quit my job, um, and then I moved there. And I was kind of, you know, the tax prep was always kind of part of my mind because I'd, I'd, I, had, uh, I had the experience but you know when your backs against the wall, it's like, "Well, what all right, why don't I just do this and then see what happens? Yeah, and so you know, and so I started doing it down there, um just kind of with the expats and and doing it kind of online and all that with Google et cetera, and that's and it just it just developed into what it is today. That's it,
0: so you're down in Argentina. How are you getting clients while you're enjoying that Latin life
1: um so I mean at first it was just kind of within the expat community and then it really became I mean, really what happened was I put I put a website up and I said, Let me try let me try this Google AdWords thing and then I started getting clients to surround me off the internet. And it was one of those sort of you know, just testing out certain things and I got like a buddy to help me, but it was it was just out of the blue. I, I started really this online marketing um and Google AdWords, etc. And that's uh that's where it it, it blew up you know that's where it was like kind of proof of concept this this is gonna work you know it's kinda like the the four-hour work week but it was really before that book became popular Mm -hmm. you know it was like right, let's let's try this
0: and so are you still using do you have a clientele base that just comes to you regularly are you still uh, using Google AdWords or other forms of marketing to attract more clients
1: um, we do. Uh, we still do Google AdWords. Uh, we definitely do that. In fact, more than that, we 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 do uh, Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of reach out on LinkedIn, and then um, you know, just kind of strategic partnerships, right? You know, be a podcast, be a media, and then just kind of with other service providers, right? So meaning, you know, lawyers that that might have clients, or you know, we work with a lot of local accountants in Argentina, Colombia, Brazil. Um, a lot of people in Europe and Asia that, that they have clients that need U.S. tax prep and then vice versa where maybe our clients are moving there and they need a local CPA and it's kind of like this sort of trusted uh, relationship and yeah, I mean you, you'd be surprised as far as just kind of who you can meet and how things could uh, just snowball if uh, if you do good work and, and, and you meet the right people. So you
0: know there's a couple sides to your business being a service based business. And what I want to ask you is are you spending more of your time kind of reaching out and finding new clients or more of your time working on the behind the scenes doing the the taxes and the paperwork um or do you have people handling that and you're just kind of pushing and directing the business on to where to go next
1: Um it's a little bit of everything honestly you okay. know what i mean like I, I go obviously i'm doing you know the podcast and you know kind of like Peter VC was they call it like thought leadership, right? You know, kind of being the person that's that 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 that's thinking about things and kind of studying the laws and 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 understanding what's going on in the industry, uh-huh. kind of speaking about that. And obviously on the other side, yeah, I'm still do reviewing tax returns. I mean, we have uh, we have accountants that work with us uh, full time, and, and 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 they are you know kind of doing the data entry and doing the day to day and helping with the client, but ultimately. I'm still signing off on it. So I still have to do, do reviews Uh and, um, and then, yeah, and then doing a lot of the more high level structuring, you know, working with the heavy hitters that want to, that want to, you know, maybe do real estate investing in the States or even we have some, like some, some private equity and hedge funds that do stuff. And so kind of working with the the bigger clients too, uh, with, with some of their needs as well.
0: So uh, I want to ask you this. How is life different for you when you were in the corporate world working at a big accounting firm back in New York compared to life for you today?
1: Well, it's different. Um, I would never I would never go back to that. Right. I mean, I think I've always had this sort of and I think this is part of it. Right. I mean, you always kind of get this sort of entrepreneurial drive like you want to you want to do it, you know, and And you might make so many more sacrifices and and, and have later nights, sleepless nights, but at the end of the day, it's worth it and and you manage your own schedule and you're kind of uh, your own boss, right? And that's, I think, the biggest part is, you know, I do have the flexibility to work from anywhere. And, you know, I use Medellin as a base or I'll go and and, and stay in a place for a month or two and kind of have that base. And and, and the beautiful part is I get to pick you know where that is and what i want to do right and that's that's uh i would never trade that for anything do you know what i mean so that's uh that's kind of where what what the difference is is being able to kind of walk to the beat of your own drum versus uh when you're when you're working for somebody and you're kind of attached to that
0: yeah that makes sense completely and i know and completely understand what you mean let's talk some business man what about I know you mentioned you've seen some fun stuff happening in international investing and, and some type of real estate investing happening down in Latin America. So,
1: yeah, I mean, uh, I think right now what I've seen and, and what a lot of people, uh, are doing is, you know, obviously the dollar is, is pretty high. Um, and so again, kind of taking advantage of, of that and buying, uh, buying cheap assets, uh, meaning either real estate, for example, I, I I own two properties in Medellin um, that I rent out to, uh, to to foreigners and people, and it's not like you know on a daily, but it's you know weekly or monthly, and and so I, I see a lot of people doing that both here, um, you know, even Brazil. I, I have some clients that are invested in Floripa, you know, I mean, Argentina maybe it's yeah maybe not, but mm-hmm. yeah, the basically <laughs> the point being is um, is is, is kind of usually the the strength of the dollar to buy cheaper foreign assets, be it real estate, be it, um, you know, stocks and bonds. I mean, there's a lot of like good good stocks in, uh, in Australia and, and, and other places. Um, and so kind of using the power of the dollar, and the strength of the dollar to, uh, to, uh, to your benefit. And, you know, hopefully everything does well. And then hopefully, well, if the dollar does, uh, you know, go down, then, then you also kind of uh, are able to capture that currency gain.
0: Let's say you had an extra $100,000. What would you do with it if you had to invest it abroad?
1: Um, I mean, I, I still, like I said, I, I really like Medellin right now. I bought two places and, 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 and combined, uh, they were around $150,000 all in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think there's good deals to be had here. Um, like I said, I mean, maybe parts of uh, Asia. I know somebody that, that bought in Budapest. Um, and so... I mean, I would buy, right now, I mean, again, because I'm not like super into any of the markets, so I would probably buy more of a hard asset like real estate. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I mean, there's also some decent like uh, CDs uh, down in in LATAM and Medellin and Costa Rica, you know, coming out at like 10 to 15% uh, annualized uh, return. So, I mean, there's stuff like that too that's available. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I would, I would either invest in in in, in a property or trying to diversify in different markets by buying up either smaller assets or or, or investing in in smaller uh, you know smaller stocks or or CDs etc. Now, when you're investing,
0: buying your properties, are you buying to get cash flow, or are you doing long-term holds, or what's your your main priority?
1: Um, I mean, I think it's always uh. It's always important to do uh, you know, via cash flow, right? I'm not one into kind of like full speculation. I mean, I think that the, that the, that the property market's going up and you know, here you have to buy with cash, you can't really uh, leverage. So it's not like you have that sort of risk. But I mean, I go with straight cash flow. You know, if it's above like, if the monthly rent is above 1% of the, uh, the value of the, of, the, of the property, that's kind of one of the like, go-to tools, if you will, mm-hmm. um, or metrics. Yeah, so yeah, I strictly go off cash flow, and then again, hope for the uh, for the appreciation to happen, which it's been it's been chugging along at roughly like seven percent the last couple of years here. So,
0: is it difficult for a foreigner to invest in Colombia?
1: Not really. I mean, in fact, if if people want to invest uh, over a hundred thousand, you get a you get an investor visa here. Uh, but as far as the process, I mean, they, they, it's pretty it's pretty easy. Um, you don't even have to open up a local bank account. There's a brokerage account with uh, this place called Alianza that you'd be able to uh, to open up and, and, and do it. So, I mean, it's not... No, it's not hard. I mean, obviously, you want to have, like, a, a lawyer and someone that knows what they're doing. But, um, you know, process-wise, especially, again, looking at... Brazil or or Argentina and some of these other markets, it's it's definitely relatively uh, more easy than those two places. And what would you say
0: is, is the average cost for, say, a three-bedroom home in Medellin?
1: Um, three-bedroom, I mean, again, if you're thinking like the best neighborhood, which is Poblado, um, you're roughly looking at, you know, one to 150,000 uh, U.S. dollars.
0: And And what would that rent for?
1: Roughly 1500 to $2,000. Okay,
0: cool. All right, let's talk self-directed IRAs. I am actually a fan of self-directed IRAs and have one myself. And I know a lot of people use them for other non-typical types of investments. And mm-hmm. I think you mentioned some of, uh, you do business with self-directed IRAs and have some clients that work with them. Yeah. Um, what's your thoughts on them?
1: Yes, I mean... Uh, I I have one, too. I mean, that was uh, what I used to buy my first property here in Medellin. Mm-hmm. And I also used it on another uh, kind of like a factoring uh, investment. And so, you know, again, I think it's I think they're great tools um, if you know what you're doing with them. Meaning, yeah, if you want to invest in, in, in real estate in particular or, you know, really non-public uh, profit, you know, non-market uh, investment products. Right. So either. um You know, the other uh, kind of private equity investments, they're actually also good to use to uh, invest in foreign mutual funds and stuff that's known as a PFIC, which is really what means passive foreign investment company. Now, not to fully bore you, but (laughs) these mutual funds and PFICs, they're actually kind of detrimental if you hold them as an individual. Um, they, They have some negative tax consequences. You can tax at the highest rate, et cetera, basically. And so in order to potentially invest in these sort of products, it would be better to invest through like a self-directed IRA, for example, because that's tax-free and hence you're not hit with these tax consequences of holding them as a U.S. person. Um, So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a very good way to diversify because I think it's all about diversification, right? So, you know, if you want to have stuff in the market, of course, have it in the market, you know, but... If you want to diversify and invest in something you're more familiar with, like i.e., you know, the managing real estate market or, or some, some other investment that you have uh, comfort in, then yeah, it's a good opportunity, a good tool to, uh, to set it up and, um, and then basically use either an, an LLC, like a US LLC, or an offshore LLC. Uh, generally, we do it in either Nevis or Belize. Um, and that's kind of your investment vehicle. That's your IRA. Meaning that that's what you could use to, okay, go buy a property with it or go, uh, you know, open up a brokerage account in, in, in Hong Kong and buy mutual funds with it or whatever the case is. Um, and that's kind of your investment vehicle as opposed to, you know, having the custodian be uh, like TD Ameritrade and investing in, in you know, U.S. index funds.
0: And just to kind of update the listeners, uh, for those that don't know, a self-directed IRA is a vehicle for an individual retirement account where the individual that owns it or sets it up is the person that actually directs it. So instead of a regular IRA, it just removes the financial advisor, and then you can choose to invest in some of the investments that Vincenzo mentioned and many different other things, just so people know. Yeah
1: yeah we should have, we should, we probably should have cleared that by the beginning but yeah that's exactly that's exactly right i mean it's basically a, an ira but yeah it's a vehicle that you could use to invest in 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 other products like we said private equity uh, real estate etc um there are there are some some rules behind the the ira meaning um you know you, there's no self dealing so meaning like you can't Let's say I own a, a house. I can't. Ha- I can't sell that house to an IRA. I can't. You know, there's no sort of like related party transactions or anything that you could be benefit beneficial. So you can't. Like I can't live in the property that I own in Medellin in my IRA because it's strictly for investment prop purposes. So I can't live in it. You know, I can't. I can't benefit from it. Um, so there are some. Yeah, there there's some 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 rules behind it um that that people should be aware of especially if they go into it but like I said I mean it's it's definitely very beneficial and and, and allows people the flexibility to uh to invest in what they want um, yeah. outside of public markets.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great vehicle because when the uh 0809 recession happened I know a lot of people that took their money out of a personal IRA and put it into a self-directed IRA and invested in maybe it was real estate or bullion or gold and silver or something
1: to mm-hmm. avoid
0: that crash because they saw it coming. So it's a great vehicle
1: that I don't think a lot of people know about. And a right. lot of people not No, they aren't. really don't. Yeah, and they're not educated because- about it. Because people, you know, I mean, so many people are like, oh, I want to invest in real estate. I'm going to pull money out of my IRA, and it's like, no, you don't have to. Just, just set up a self-directed and buy it with that, you know. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, I mean, with these times, it's good to think about diversification and and and, and, and potentially invest in something, that you know, or that you think is safe, be it real estate, be it right bullion, etc. Um, to to benefit from that, or at least give you the 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 choice to uh, to invest that money.
0: Vincenzo, let's talk asset protection, asset protection for expats and location-independent entrepreneurs, and in some ways they they can keep their money safe while investing abroad and doing business abroad, or even being abroad while doing business back home.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, from an asset protection standpoint, um, there's a few jurisdictions that are really the most safe. Um, Cook Island's. And, and Saint Kitts and Nevis, and I put Belize up there as kind of the third choice. But the point is, is these jurisdictions are, you know, have laws that and have actually stood up to, to, to governments who've gone after uh, assets within within companies or trusts established uh, in these jurisdictions, and really they are for protecting assets from lawsuits, from um, from uh, from yeah, again creditors, et cetera, and um, like I said they're not it's not a way to let's say um, uh, you know get out of reporting or or, or get out of um, you know filing taxes. I mean as an American you're still gonna have to file taxes for these uh, if you have assets in these countries in fact, there's actually you, you would have to disclose the foreign company but again, it offers two things asset protection so if you get sued like for example, there was a doctor um, that I know that he sold his practice. Um, and after he sold it, he put the money in the um, in in nevis and then and then six months later, a former employer employee who was who was jealous of of of, of him and him selling, et cetera, tried to uh, get one of these ambulance chase the lawyers to to go after him for some some fraud. And uh, once uh, the lawyers found out that that the doctor had his assets in nevis, it was it was game over. They don't want to go after that because of the amount of time and effort required to uh, to do this sort of thing. So it really does help in asset protection. Number two, um, it helps in in, in in probate. Meaning, let's say you have, um, you know, real estate or various investments around the world, um, and some of these countries have different uh, uh, laws when it comes to uh, estates and, 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 and inheritance. And so what it does is it allows you to say, okay, you know, I want... X percentage of my nevis company to go here and Y to go there rather than you be subject to a, or your heirs, I should say, be subject to a having to go to each individual country and deal with the courts and the local lawyers. And then B, you know, potentially you, your, 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 final wishes your will be subject to potential local uh, inheritance law. So again, that's kind of the asset protection aspect. Um, of of investing, um, again, I mean, there's there's other ways to to potentially have a you know in, invest, and in, I think you you might have talked about kind of this this sort of level of um, you know offshore structuring and 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 people that want to achieve kind of the Googles and Apples of the world, and and part of that notion is okay, I'm gonna retain my earnings in this. In this particular company or in my company I'm going to put the money in the in the the company and not repatriate it back to states I'm not going to pay myself out and then use that company as kind of an investment vehicle so that's another way again when you think about kind of digital nomads and people thinking about offshore structuring um, and and people mention like Google and Apple what they're doing is they're setting up an offshore structure they're they're only paying themselves a, a salary, which would be subject to the foreign income exclusion, et cetera, and then basically the the rest of the money um, is staying within the company, and then they're using that company and and they're investing that that money, that retained earnings, um, in certain uh, in certain investments around the world. So that's another way that you see digital nomads kind of using their money to to invest. So.
0: At what level should a digital nomad entrepreneur um, set up something offshore? What type of revenue should they have slash profit? And how much time should they be spending overseas?
1: So, I mean, to qualify for the foreign income exclusion, you need to either be 330 days out of a 365-day period outside the U.S. Um, And that could be... That doesn't necessarily have to be on a calendar year basis. So you could, let's say, leave July 1st of 2016, and then fast forward July 1st of 2017. And if you're abroad for the, um, the three for 330 days in that 365-day period, then you qualify. So, and that's called the physical presence test. The other one is like a bona fide residence test, which means that you're established a residency in a country, you have a visa, you you have a bank account, you might have a property there, a long-term lease. Um, you might be paying taxes there. And again, that that lets you the flexibility to to go back to the United States for, for 35 days. So if you qualify for either being physically present outside the U.S. for 330 or being a bona fide resident of another country, then you're a quote unquote expat. Right. And and once you qualify for that status, then you could think about, OK, do I have my own business? Should I set up something offshore? OK, so that's the first step being an expat. Second step. Okay, what type of business do you have? And you're right. What's your income level? Mm -hmm. Um, Income level, I mean, again, you know, there's no real level, but I mean, I would say rule of thumb, like at least like net profit, 30, 40, 50K, uh, maybe more. And a lot of it is okay because there are costs with with, with doing doing this sort of offshore structure, right, And, and maintenance costs. Um, Which will probably amount to at least a couple thousand per year right between the tax filing and uh, like the local uh, registry, etc. But um, again, the point being is that you would um, You would be able to pay yourself from this foreign entity and not be subject to self-employment tax um, which is like Social Security and that's 15% and if you're making over the hundred thousand net, then you pay yourself the hundred thousand in, in in salary, and then anything else over that, again, as as long as it's with ret- retained within the company, um, is not subject to U.S. income tax until it's pulled out in the form of salary, in the form of dividends. You know, there might be, especially within the next four years, based on the president, there might be a tax holiday where companies are allowed to bring the money back to the states for a reduced rate. Um, so again, there's a lot of uh, advantages. Um, you know, again, I think the higher you make, the more the more advantageous it is, of course. But I wouldn't I wouldn't start thinking about it till your least, yeah, your net income has to be at least like I don't know, 40 or 50, just to just kind of justify the the cost, etc. I mean, if you're just bootstrapping it right now and and break even, then I would focus on the business first, mm-hmm. and then. Out, you know going and doing the setup because I mean the most important thing is you could have the greatest structure in the world but if you're not making a profit then what's, what's the point then <laughs> it's just a, then then it's just a loss you know then, then, then it's just a cash flow drain so but I think it's important to be you know to have it in the back of uh, your mind so to speak because like I said it is it is a uh, it is a good tool to have and it's a good it's a good structure if it won't qualify.
0: And Vincenzo, what's the advantage of setting up a foreign trust?
1: So, foreign trusts um, again are for people that uh, that do have a lot of assets that want to a um, either protect it from from creditors and, and and potential lawsuits, and then b want to set up a a uh, like a, an estate plan, basically, right? Where there Giving up um, the right to certain assets, right? Saying, "Okay, I no longer, I no longer own this asset. I'm putting it in a trust for my heirs, et cetera, and you know they'll able they'll be able to benefit from uh, from the proceeds of the sale or the proceeds of the income, et cetera. So it's really kind of like a glorified estate plan where you 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 you're, you're you're spelling out in the trust who gets what, how much they get, at what point in time they get it. Um, and these assets protected from from any other sort of litigation. So I mean, again, that that sort of thing, you know when it comes to trusts, you know you really do want to have a significant amount of assets, meaning you know roughly uh, half a million to maybe even a million dollars just to because the trust itself is is it could be quite expensive. I mean, you know, roughly ten to thirty thousand dollars depending on how specific you want to be. And obviously also the annual maintenance costs, so it is it is it is um it's a commitment, but again, for those who do have a lot of assets, et cetera, it's it's definitely worthwhile. So
0: I know Vincenzo that you guys help people actually renounce their US citizenship. And I have to ask you, since the election of our new president, I'm curious if you have helped or seen a spike in anybody renouncing their citizenship.
1: You know what, the the, the renouncement I mean, I've I've seen a spike in the renouncement, like way before he got elected. I mean, I think people are more, um, if anything, they're more prone to moving abroad, like not the full renouncement, but again, thinking about moving abroad, etc. Um, so, I think the spike is there. The trend is going to continue, and you're right, it probably did get a little bit of boost from uh, from the president, but the trend is ongoing, and it was something that happened before him with. You know all this FATCA and people having to comply with, you know, uh, declaring the foreign bank accounts and foreign assets, and I think it will continue as people, you know, continue to to have to deal with FATCA and, and 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 get sick of it and 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 see what what happens with that. So yeah, I mean we've we've done a lot of announcements. Like I said, I think it'll 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 continue to grow as people uh, as people kind of reassess the value of their U.S. citizenship, candidly. Excellent.
0: Okay, my friend, we are going to wrap up there. Vincenzo, I wonder um, if there's any listeners out there that would like to get a hold of you, where's the best place they can do that?
1: Yeah, so um, they can go to our website, onlinetaxman.com, um, if they want a free consultation. Basically, we, we give out a little consultation if people have questions about their tax situation and and then through that, We get a little bit of understanding on um, who they are and, you know, obviously their tax situation and give a uh, like a fixed fee quote. Um, But if any listeners do want to just have a quick question, want to get in touch with me directly, uh, my email address is Vincenzo at Online Taxman. That's V-I-N-C-E-N-Z-O at OnlineTaxman.com. So, uh, yeah, feel free.
0: Vincenzo, man, we got to give you a big thank you for coming on the show and offering all your advice and wisdom for the listeners and we really appreciate your time listeners no, thank you yeah thank no, you
1: it's been a blast i hope uh no one's head is spinning that much after all the uh the talk <laughs>
0: i think uh i think people should be taking notes for sure after that yeah and listeners thank you again for tuning into the show for another episode we're going to wrap up there and we will see you all on the next show bye everybody bye The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs. Imagine spending an extended period of time with other successful entrepreneurs working together and growing your business. Day-to-day, you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality around business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for those that are in the entrepreneur house, and you get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. This year, we have three different events, a three-day productivity weekend in different cities all around the world, a two-week all-inclusive retreat for entrepreneurs with six-figure businesses. This will be full of workshops, masterminds, and adventure. Then a four-week event in Chiang Mai, Thailand for established entrepreneurs, also for full of workshops masterminds advisors and fun weekend social events be sure to check out the details at theentrepreneurhouse.com as soon as possible these events will fill up fast for those of you that are interested and have some questions be sure to contact us through theentrepreneurhouse.com forward slash contact we will respond as soon as possible for now saludos from somewhere in the world